Indeed. You're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices here on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Uh, As Victoria had warned you before the hour flipped, uh, I'm your host tonight, Sarah Catlin, and I have on the phone my friend and colleague, Mindy Mazur. And if I did that right, she's live on the air. Mindy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Sarah. If I can get to that point in every show, I feel like it's golden. We've made a connection as long as it's like we, as long as we don't get hit by lightning or something. I just brought that down on myself. We are good. We can talk for an hour and nothing else can really bad can go wrong. Now that I've got you on the phone, that's like whoo, big sigh of relief. Um, so we, we are going to be doing just a deep dive. Um, Victoria called it a kitchen table talk um, just to kind of get to know you and just um, talk about your career this hour and mentoring. And we just had all sorts of topics that we may or may not get to. Um, but first, I, I asked you to pick three songs. And so that um, Think by Aretha Franklin was your first pick. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about um, that song? Does it have a particular significance or is it just one that makes you get up, want to get up and move? Or uh, You know, uh, a little bit of both, actually. Um, I do think it is like one of the ultimate walk-up songs, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you just hear that song. It's one of those instant karma kind of songs for me where you hear it and it just, you know, it just puts you in the right frame of mind. Um, I've always been an Aretha Franklin fan for as long as I can remember, and that has always been my favorite song by her. And the more I've learned about her through the years as well, outside of just her music, I just I just am a super fan, I guess. Um, so I love that. And there, I did have, um, it does bring back some good memories from college. Uh, we did incorporate that song into one of our one of our college skits once, so there's also happy memories about oh, that as well. Nice. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is Women's Wishes and Women's Voices. My guest tonight is Mindy Mazur, and I am just so happy to have this chance to sit down and get to know you better. It seems like um, over the last several years, I just keep running into you. Anytime I'm doing something that's like, especially if it's like super like a feminist kind of empowerment, and sometimes with politics, it's like you just keep showing up. And I'm just like, (laughs) there she is again. There she is again. Um, And then most recently, um, I ran into you at that retreat for Lead Missouri. And so I thought we might just start with that. Um, and maybe work back from there. Do, um, do you want to talk? I think you're on the board, right? Yes. Okay. So you want to talk yes, a little I bit am. about what Lead Missouri is, and then why I, why you were there, what we were doing? Yes, absolutely. And it was it was great to see you. And yes, we we have crossed paths many times mm-hmm. through the years, haven't we? Just over and um, over. It is, it's so strange. It's, you know, it's a small world. Yeah. Small world. Um, but Lead, Lead Mo is, is a passion project of mine. Um, certainly, I am honored and delighted to have been one of the people to help start this up a couple of years ago here in Missouri and be one of the founding board directors. And essentially what it is, it's, it's a statewide talent hub. Um, I, through the years where I played a variety of different roles, I, I learned and um, found that sometimes uh, it was hard to find the talent that I was looking for in hiring. And on the flip, it seemed like I knew a lot of people who were very talented who were just leaving the state because they couldn't find the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, uh, along with some friends and, um, and some of my work through the years, I've always been trying to connect people up with good opportunities. It's just my happy place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've always kind of loved uh, resume helping and counseling and and um, helping people think about their next career move. And so as part of that, uh, years more than 10 years ago, I started a website called Hired Up Missouri. And it was basically just I did just not a, realize that was yours. That's a great website. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it was a volunteer website for many years um, that uh, was, in my mind, another place, maybe just one more point of connection for what I called do good or do good orgs and and people looking Mm -hmm. to do good work Mm -hmm. and so i you know ran that and then some of some friends helped run that um through the years as well and um and that was sort of some of the underpinnings to lead mo Mm -hmm. um some other folks across the state were looking to and and some some politically active folks were looking to to put an actual organization together and so um that's that's how i got kind of looped in um to that and as part of that, uh, Hired Up Missouri is now run by Leadmo. Mm-hmm. And um, really the purpose of the organization is to, um, to really find, connect, um, train up, and network the next generation of civic leaders across the state. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many important roles that folks can play um, throughout the state. And, and when I say do good jobs, a lot of those jobs in public service, you think about local government, 
Um, you think about people who should, you know, run for office mm-hmm. um, at all levels, mm-hmm. and not just the candidates, but also um, the people who support those campaigns, the, the staff people. Mm-hmm. You might run for office, but you don't have anybody helping you. Well, that's that's pretty hard. Yep. So um, those types of roles, also nonprofit roles um, where folks are, you know, really making a difference in terms of public policy across the state. And so, yeah, so that's that's Lead Mo. It's still um, in its early stages, but yeah. we have a fantastic, um, fantastic staff uh, on the ground at this point and wonderful board of directors across the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the program is putting together um, these different training cohorts. And that's where that's where you and I saw each yep. other. Yep. We um, were, um, how did you get involved with Lead Mode so, the first time? So I was in the first, well, I'm getting a weird echo in this headphones. Hopefully it doesn't sound like that at home. I was in the first cohort of campaign staff. I had volunteered to help Judy Baker um, just at her kitchen table. I was her mm-hmm. vol- her only volunteer early in her campaign against Caleb Browden and didn't know at all what I was doing. I mean, I'd done, I had organized events just like off the cuff for people. And I had run like the box office for Citizen Jane. I mean, I could organize and I could handle volunteers, <laughs> but I'd never done political stuff. And so I didn't know anything about, you know, van, the voter database or any of that. And so I just, I learned real fast. It was a crash course. And so I was learning while mm-hmm. I was doing, um, worked my way up through the ranks and ended up being her deputy campaign manager in Thanks. that race in 2019. And in large part due to the the help I got in the the backup of the people at Leadmo, so that was, it was huge for me. And I was in the very first cohort of campaign yes. staff that went through and got trained that fall. Inaugural staff. Mm-hmm. And then, but the, so in my mind, it kind of really does two big things. Leadmo, it does, it trains staff and it trains candidates. So there's training for mm-hmm. for campaign staffers, and then there's trainings that candidates can attend on like fundraising or just nuts and bolts kinds of things that you're you know website do's and don'ts things like that i just think it's a great resource and really the only thing that you all ask is that the person's progressive i would say i always say it's um, a progressive you know progressive campaigns yeah it it certainly is certainly um you know um certainly civic minded i mean Mm -hmm. people have different definitions of things but we do have some some values that that we certainly um i think um kind of organize around we have Mm -hmm. We have a, um, a C4 organization uh, as well as a C3 there. Mm-hmm. And um, for folks who are interested, they can check check those out on the website yep. um, and, and get involved. And also, if you're looking for a new job or a mm-hmm. career change or even volunteer opportunities, check out Hired Up. Yep. It's kind Missouri. of like Indeed for, for civic organizations. It's great. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. so interesting. I, I knew that that had been around before, long before Lead Mo came into existence, but I didn't realize that, that was yours. That's so interesting. Learned something big tonight. Um, so, so that was how you and I most recently connected. Um, but your campaign, your campaign and political experience actually goes. I, I don't say way back. You're not like seventy years old or anything. But um, <laughs> I but just feel I, like I am. Yeah, some days it does feel like that. <laughs> but um, you've worked at both the state and federal level as campaign staff, um, as mm-hmm. uh, in staff positions for seated politicians, and also kind of just advocating for different initiatives or, or small um, nonprofits sometimes. Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit about um, however wherever you want to start with that? Um, just kind of an overview of of some of your political. Um, sure. Sure. Well, um, I actually started my career. Um, my first job out of college was in Washington, D.C., working for Congressman Ike Skelton, mm-hmm. who represented the 4th Congressional District at the time, um, which is sort of like like the central sort of western southern district um, then. Um, and he uh, was a wonderful um wonderful person. I, I really hit the jackpot mm-hmm. uh, in terms of my first job out of college. And I wasn't really um, necessarily looking to, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I know I'm still not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was really lucky to have that opportunity um, to get to work for uh, somebody. And, and he also had this wonderful team around him, you know, this longtime member of Congress. By the time I started working for him, he had been in Congress um, for many years already. He was ultimately the chairman of the Armed Services Committee and was a tremendous advocate for the military, mm-hmm. particularly, um, and or especially, I should say, um, you know, the men and women serving in Missouri at the two bases here in Missouri. And so I learned a lot about um, all kinds of things. I didn't really know much about government at all. And I got mm-hmm. to go 
um, you know, work in Washington, D.C. and learn about all of these different federal issues and how the government worked. And I also really loved casework uh, where we would get to help people in the district navigate government and, and help get the services that they needed to get. And that making a difference was really what is that was kind one of, of the things what that kind I of hooked Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally. Yeah. And the other thing that happened while I was working for Ike in his congressional office is I started to make the connections that who is in office makes a difference mm-hmm. on issues that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And so I was really interested then in the campaign side of things and the political campaign side of things, not just the official government side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, while I was working for him, I ended up going to graduate school at the George Washington University. They have a unique program on political management. Hmm. Um, and then Ike was nice enough to let me go take a leave of absence and run his uh, one of his re-election campaigns. Um, so I got to go back and do that wow. and really get to know the district, the 25 counties, the other side of Missouri, because I grew up on the other side, um, and really see him in action and, and get to get to see politics, you know, um, at that level, and it was just a wonderful experience, um, and that that really kicked off my love for um, for both campaigning and for government, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a part of helping make sure that good people are in office or stay office, yeah. stay in office, and that while they're in office, that we're that we're providing excellent service for people. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, so that was my first foray, <laughs> really interesting. So if you're just tuning in, um, this is Sarah Catlin. You're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices, and we're interviewing Mindy Mazur tonight. Got her on the phone live. Um, so you worked for Ike, and then you were involved with Robin Carnahan, too. Yes. Another yes. big Missouri was, name. Um, yes. I was fortunate. Um, after I worked for um, Ike for a few years, I went out on a presidential campaign trail for a, sh- a hot minute mm-hmm. uh, for, for Dick Gephardt's race. And so um, after that, I was looking to see what I was going to do next, and um I heard through the grapevine that Robin Carnahan was running for Secretary of State and was looking for a campaign manager. And I had never met her before, but I knew who she was, certainly. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think anybody in politics would have known. Um, And I was so, I really admired her from afar. And so I was lucky enough to have a mentor to to put my resume in front of Robin. And I got an interview and I got the gig. And so I ran her first um, race for Secretary of State in 2004. Mm -hmm. And um, that that started a long uh, a long partnership with Robin, sort of off and on. I um, after we won that cycle, I was her first chief of staff for the majority of her first term as Secretary of State. So I was back in official government mm-hmm. at the state level, and we did some really really cool things there, and had an awesome team. Um, and then I I uh, spun off and worked for a, a nonprofit coalition for a while, and then I got recruited back um, when Robin decided to run for U.S. Senate in two thousand. Nine and 2010. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that election night in 2004 was a lot more fun for me, <laughs> for us, mm-hmm. than election night 2010. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's how it goes with campaigns. It does. Yeah, it can really change even just in the course of four or five years. Um, yeah. So yep. you've been doing this work for a while, and at least you sort of have your toe in, I'm guessing, or you wouldn't be serving on the, the board of Lead Mo, even if you're not running campaigns. Like, do you have any right. just overarching observations about um, how political campaigning has changed since when you first started right out of college and, and the kinds of things that people are doing today, right. campaign staff or, or politicians are expected to do today? Sure. No, I think that's a really good question. It's something I think a lot about. And you're right, I'm not on the direct lines anymore. But once, you, once you're in the world of mm-hmm. politics and public um, service and public policy, I, I personally think that you can't really unsee it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's always present. And what, I, what I've what i noticed is, you know, campaigns and politics, they can get a bad rap, right? Like, and they can get very nasty. And we've seen mm-hmm. some very, very ugly things mm-hmm. that have, that, that maybe have gotten worse um, through the years. And then you remember that really politics in different times and then different campaigns through history have been very, very hard and very ugly. Um, so I I try and like put things into context a little bit there, especially at times when I feel like <laughs> maybe like some others do at times where it's just so frustrating. <laughs> like nothing's getting done. Everybody hates each other and it's just it seems really, so gridlocked sometimes it's so gridlocked sometimes but really you have to take a step back because that does happen but then there are also these moments where people are coming together and pushing things forward and and they are making progress and sometimes 
those are things that are happening in, in unexpected places or unexpected bills or mm-hmm. in unexpected ways. And I mean, I really feel like um, taking the long view is very important. And that's why for me now, um, a lot of my work is, is really more, you know, issue driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that is, is um, helping other organizations and, and missions. And they might not be overtly political, but they're doing good in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, there are certain issues that I care about personally, and I'm always going to care about those. And, and so I think that um, what I've really seen change most dramatically is not so much the issues and, and sometimes the, the partisanship, although that does feel like that's gotten hardened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's been the advent of social media and the way that um, there's also so much mass media now and people can really self-select. There aren't the same shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, there, People are self-selecting what they're listening to or watching or talking about and um i think that can be very siloed and that that does concern me i think um you know that that really um you know there aren't a lot of it feels like there aren't as many opportunities for shared experiences now that being said i think everybody watched the chiefs last night I have to say, I didn't, didn't, but I was checking in from time to time on Facebook and I was really enjoying watching my friends enjoy watching the Chiefs. So I was sort of, I felt like I was getting a little flavor of it, just experiencing their joy. I mean, maybe that is what, maybe that is what our country needs right now. It's the Chiefs. A little bit of joy. Um, (laughs) Goodness. Um, Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's, maybe that's a little bit, that's a little bit long-winded or deep there, but honestly, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the, the worst thing that folks can do are, are just to shut down. Yeah. We need so people easy. to participate. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it feels like times are so dark. Uh, political stuff, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, so partisan um, and, and in an ugly way. We've got this pandemic that we've all been living under the the weight of for so long. It's like the shortest days of the year. So if you're at all sensitive to like light, it's like all these things. It just feels like right now it can be can feel pretty dark and it's easy to just want to withdraw and feel like sure. nothing you do is going to make a difference, especially as one single voter. Right. Um, right. So, right. but but we need you. Yes, right. <laughs> we need people we need to every, stay involved. We need votes. We need at the very least votes, and then getting more involved than that is even better. Um, so, we were talking about politics getting ugly. Do you have a hot take on this whole January sixth? We just had the the anniversary of January sixth. They're still trying to to prosecute right. these people. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I can tell you that when that happened mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. the the my brain like um, went backwards to 9-11. And I'm not exactly sure why, um, but that was what came into my brain. And I remember being being in Washington, D.C. in the congressional office with Ike and the team uh, on 9-11 and how how scary that was and how we were were watching TV and saw the second plane hit live. And then we were hearing about the Pentagon and everything else. And Mm -hmm. it was complete chaos. And... Mm -hmm. The, the Capitol, you know, security didn't even know what to tell us. And I just remember what a scary day that was. And that is what first came into my head when I watched what was happening um, on on last year, on January 6th. And I thought, I can't believe, how could it be that U.S. citizens were the ones attacking the Capitol? Mm-hmm. That's honestly what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't totally... <laughs> Like I haven't totally it. unpacked that for yeah. myself, maybe, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, yeah, that's I, where I my can, head went. I can it was certainly very, see very that. sad. I mean, it's it's two situations where you're where I could relate, where you're just in shock, like can't not your eyes mm-hmm. cannot believe what they're seeing, um, and both related mm-hmm. to government, and especially since you were right there on and and on nine eleven. Yeah, I could see how your your brain might make that connection. Interesting, right? Can you just think the institution of our democracy and yeah. and it being attacked? Yeah, physically um, attacked with yeah. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, can you think of other moments um, over the years working on political um, campaigns and working in politics that that stand out? Obviously, nine eleven <laughs> stands out for most Americans. Most people around the world probably remember it, but certainly Americans do. But are there other big sure. moments? In, in my experience, yes. My, from my from my personal ex- mm-hmm. professional experience, um, one that well, that I'll never forget. Um, well, you know, I've gotten to do some really neat things. I've um, you know through this. Cur- through this career, I've gotten to, you know, meet presidents and, mm-hmm. 
and other interesting people along the way and have these tremendous experiences. But the one experience that will be seared into my brain for forever, I believe, mm-hmm. will be election night 2016. Oh, my gosh. Where I, I think I have PTSD. <laughs> Every time I, I get know. near the blue note, I start to feel like itchy and uncomfortable because <laughs> that's where I was standing well, watching so, those returns come in. They won't, let them, guessing... they won't let us come anymore. The Democrats can't meet at the blue note anymore. They're like, we've oh, never boy. had such a horrible event with everyone crying. And <laughs> it's like, we're not oh, doing this yeah. parties anymore. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was traumatic yeah. for everyone involved. There's some downside risk there when yep. you have an election night party yep. for yep. an event. So, yeah, so you were at the Blue Note mm-hmm. with your friends, presumably, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and like-minded individuals. Yep. I was in I was in studio at KMOV in St. Louis mm-hmm. doing live commentary that night with um, Dave Spence, who you may remember ran for governor a few years ago. He's a great guy. Yep. He was a Republican. I was a Democrat. We we had gotten earlier that season to um, to do debate uh, coverage, mm-hmm. uh, and then we got to do the night before the election night commentary and the night of the election night commentary. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were there. You know, we had to show up at I don't know four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever and get ready. And then they were pulling us onto the set, basically like three minutes at a time, to give little commentary for about like how things were hours. going. <laughs> yes. And um, we started the night and I was in the best mood ever because we were just about to elect the first woman president of the United States. Yep. And I'm somebody who's worked on gender equity stuff forever. That's right. And that's, I care about this. And yep. uh, as you know, the night ended very differently. Yep. Um, in fact, it wasn't even over by the time I left the studio. But they let you leave going. before it was done. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> they called it. It just kept going. I mean, I can laugh about it and I better laugh than cry. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. They just. It was. I was used to being at a party like you were, mm-hmm. like with, or you know, win or lose. I was with with people who whatever were campaign yeah. mm-hmm. I was working on, or everyone was or in people. it together. Yeah, right, right. But I was in the green room with Dave Spence while we were both like looking at things changing throughout the night, and what then on was studio, his and reaction was, was he? Do you remember? Yeah. Was he surprised that Trump Trump did so well? Because I was just shocked. I think everybody was expecting that you know Hillary Clinton would be elected president that mm-hmm. night. Generally speaking, uh-huh. um, and so I think we were all kind of surprised uh, as, as, as it sort of unfolded. Like I, most of the country, I think really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, I was seeing throughout the night, like you know, I had friends who were running for office in various mm-hmm. places, and they were all losing. Everybody was, and taking it was just. A, Every, it was just a bad night, and I had to go and like keep it together for yep. three minutes at a time yep. on live TV and think of something to, to say. Like, oh gosh, what do you I don't, say? I have, like, I have no idea what yeah, I said. Yeah, it's a it pretty was, rough <laughs> night for Democrats, folks. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sucks like, to be me. <laughs> I mean, what can I you may, say? That may have been a direct quote. Yeah. I don't know, but um, <sighs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. You know, yeah. it was quite an experience. Oh um, I mean, it was. It was one of those. Wow, I can't believe I can't believe that. And I remember they let us go like at eleven at night because mm-hmm. by then most of the big things had been called. And mm-hmm. um, and so I remember, or maybe it was even midnight. I don't know. And I remember driving home like pitch black on the highway in St. Louis. There were like three other cars out there, mm-hmm. and calling two of my best friends. And we were on a three way call. One of my one of them was in Washington D.C. One of them was in New York, and I was in St. Louis. And I just remember calling them on my way home. And getting home to an empty house because my daughters were with my parents that night since I was doing this. And be out late. my husband was in Columbia. He may have been at the Blue Note with you. I don't oh, know. good Lord. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I came home to my cat and uh, mm-hmm. had a glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a hard it night. It was rough. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, it seems like if you can weather something like that, I mean, ugh. so so the follow up question is, how does your time spent in politics affect who you are today professionally? Right. I mean, there's the follow up. How do experiences like that? Right. This nail biting, you know, is my candidate going to win after I've sweated and walked, mm-hmm. walked my shoes, you know, bald pair after pair hitting doors for this person? Um, yeah. Do you think I mean, do you think yes. that's changed well, who you are professionally, even though you're no longer um, doing that work directly. Well, I can tell you what the what um, what I think it has done. This and some other experiences as well along my career journey is it's really conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. And and so um, one of the things I I learned I've learned more than one time <laughs> is that you can do a lot of things right, whether that's a campaign or something else. Mm-hmm. You can have a great in a campaign. You can have a great candidate. You can have an awesome team. You can raise all the money that you're supposed to raise according to your goals, and you can still lose. Yep. Uh, and you can lose badly. Yep. Um, 
and then you get up the next day and you move on. Yeah. And there are other, you know, there are other setbacks, much, much harder than losing campaigns that people deal with every day. Mm-hmm. And to, to keep things in perspective and to know that you can go through hard things and you're going to be smarter for it and you're going to be stronger for it. Mm-hmm. I guess I never thought about that, but when if you're doing campaign work, you're obviously sometimes going to lose, and yep. so that probably does make somebody more um, was it resilient? It's like the word people like to use a lot, yeah. Um, because you do have to dust yourself off, and you know, you, you know, two weeks two weeks later, it's like time to start thinking about the next cycle. If that's the kind of work you do all the time, it's right? Just, and you, you learn from it. Mm-hmm. The same thing in business, really, too, right? You know, you make mistakes sometimes, or things don't go the way you want them to, and it's out of your control, and you deal with it. Yeah, you deal with it. You move on. Well, and you have moved on. Uh, we should congratulate you. You were recently made partner at Lintz and Associates, now Lintz Mazur and Associates. So, do you want to talk a little Thank bit you. about the kinds of work you're doing now, and um, and what it means yeah. to be a partner? Well, sure. Thank you so much. Um, it's it, yeah, I'm excited uh, to be a partner there. Um, like a few years ago, I joined up with the firm, and um, it's a woman-owned. Mm-hmm. Woman founded firm. I Peggy noticed Lentz is that. The owner. Mm-hmm. And she's she's amazing. It's, um, she's just a, a total dynamo. She's been a mentor to me um, prior to me joining forces with her uh, at, at the firm. We're we're a boutique consulting firm. Mm-hmm. We um, have a small team across uh, across the state right now. It's we've got people in St. Louis and Kansas City, and we have clients uh, in Missouri and beyond, Mm -hmm. but we do a lot of different types of work. Um, We do work in terms of integrated communications. We do work um, in public affairs, association management, Mm -hmm. um, general business strategy, that kind of stuff. Um, The the thing that that I like the most about it is because I'm a mission-driven person, as I mentioned, our team we're all mission-driven people, and our clients, which are a diverse group of different types of clients, like we have everything from, like, foundations and, and long-standing institutions to, you know, higher education um, establishments and, and family-owned businesses. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a mix of things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all are, like, amazing clients, and they have great missions, and they are changing the world or their communities in some way. And so we get to help them do that. And for me, that's kind of a continuation of my yeah. career. Is I mean, in a way, it is a campaign. It's ways. a campaign to spread their message, as opposed to elect a candidate or something, or or, sure. or pass a, a pass a, a initiative petition or something. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And it seems like yeah, a career in politics certainly would set you up with some skills that would certainly translate. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, and the connections that I've made along the way, you know, Absolutely. Um, you never know when you're going to work with people again and in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes um, having being able to see things through a political lens is an advantage in business as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I'm Certainly. Gonna, but we yeah, go ahead. I would say we've I have had you on the hot seat for 30 minutes now. I'm thinking we yeah. might take a little break um, and I'm going to play the second of the three songs that you selected. But I want you to set it up for me. It's Pat Benatar. Hit me with your best shot, which full disclosure, anytime I play that game at Dave and Buster's where you play the guitar, this is the song I play. And my <laughs> my. My eight-year-old daughter loves this song. This is like maybe her favorite song. So as I was leaving the house, I said, listen, sister, you might hear me play your favorite song at the break because uh, it's Mindy's favorite song, too. <laughs> so you're so now yeah. you're like it for nice. her. Nice. Um, yeah, we're kindred spirits. I guess so. What is, so why this song? Because it's a kick-ass song. It is a right? kick-ass song. It is. Okay. <laughs> Me cue it oh, up. Am I allowed to say that on public radio? I'm I, sorry. Yeah. I don't have a beat button. Uh, it is what it is. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Oh. Yeah. You're never coming back ever. No I'm kidding. Um, no, okay. Well, hey, we're talking about resilience, right? That's so right. Cat Benatar, and it's a great karaoke song. Yep. So I'm going to give you a break to grab a drink of water if you need to. And listeners, we will be right back with Mindy Mazer after this two minute and fifty second song. I dare you not to get up and move around. Um, so you are tuned in now, though, to Women's Issues, Women's Voices here on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. I'm your host tonight, Sarah Catlin, and I will try not to hang up on my guest anymore. My guest tonight is Mindy Mazur. Um, she is on the phone live, live radio, if you didn't figure that out. And we've been talking about her, I would say, long and illustrious political career, uh, working for Robin Carnahan and Ike Skelton and all her good her good work. Um, but I thought we might pivot in the last part of the hour and, and just kind of talk about who you are when you're not working. 
Um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about you outside of work. Sure. Well, um, outside of work. Well, I grew up in St. Charles. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm an only child. Me too. My, you are too? Mm-hmm. I think oh, wow. I think you're my new best friend and you just don't know it yet. Keep talking. We I think mm-hmm. we've got a lot in common. Mm-hmm. More than we even knew. Yes. Um my my parents are are both retired educators. My dad. And mm-hmm. um <laughs> <Yep>. awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh just tremendous human beings. Um very big part of our lives. My mom is kind of the rock of the family and keeps us all organized. And um my um, my dad is a former science teacher, and so we're always mm. talking about all kinds of things related to science. So, There's always a lesson in everything. So did you have to get up um, Christmas morning and watch the, um, the um, what is it, not a microscope, telescope launch like we did at our house? <laughs> Before oh. we opened presents, we had to watch the footage of the telescope being launched. I love that. Yep. You never want to waste an educational nope, moment. That's you? right. Right. That's right. Um, let's see what else. Um, I have uh, twin daughters, mm-hmm. and uh, they are just the best. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I would say that I'm their mom. Right. But um, they're a lot of fun, and they teach me new things every day. And they were very sweet tonight. They are trying to be quiet. I'm like, I'm locked myself in the guest bedroom to uh-huh. call into the show. Yep. Tonight. And um, they. They put a little note under the door that says that I'm doing great. So, oh, they're um, listening. I no, love, that's awesome. I, I love that, um, that I've got awesome. these two little people who are just amazing. And um, they, they, they're wonderful. And they surprise me every day with what they come up with. What are they into um, these days? Are they oh, dance yeah, well, team, Legos? What's their, what's their jam? Um, piano. Uh-huh. And now they're doing a little violin. Mm-hmm. And cool. um, one of my daughters is on a gymnastics. Awesome. And the other is learning aerial silk. Oh my gosh, yes. Does that frighten you? (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. I don't know how she does it, Mm -hmm. um, but she's having a great time. Great. Um, Yeah, so they they enjoy that. And like they both like to read. And then our family time is Harry Potter. Um, We're on the Mm -hmm. sixth book. Mm -hmm. We read that together. Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't know who enjoys that the most. Me too. I had never read the books. I'd only seen the movies. And then when my oldest, Mm -hmm. who's 15 now, I read the entire series out loud to him. Oh, out loud, all six books. That's what I'm doing. Yes. Oh my gosh. And then my middle child was not interested. (laughs) And then he got interested. So I got to start back at the beginning. Out loud a second time. So far, my youngest, who's a third grader, has not been interested, but I'm sure at some point. At some point, she's going to be ready. But do you do the voices? A little. When you read out loud. A little. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm great, but you know, I make. I make (laughs) I make an attempt. Um, Me too. Well, that sounds like a pretty Uh, a pretty full life you've built for yourself outside of uh, about outside of certainly the kind of work that you do can be can be kind of consuming. I know when I'm working on campaigns, it kind of can bleed into your evenings and your weekends a lot. Um, So wow. And I'm I'm fortunate and lucky to have a partner in life uh, who is you know he kind of has led a parallel Mm -hmm. career. Mm. Um, life as I have in many ways, or we're at least in like overlapping circles Mm -hmm. and he and I are, you know, he's just the best parent ever. And we have a great co-parenting relationship and, um, he's, um, he's always been supportive of all the crazy things I wanted to try, um, throughout my career. And, um, and he's dedicated to making a difference in his career. So that, you know, we kind of work out just fine yeah, that way I think it's a nice so, fit yeah. Yeah. yeah and it just is I mean as a woman I'm sure it's just so much easier to try something new if you've got a little bit of a safe base to start to start from yeah yes yeah yes. a soft um, place to land the, just in case having well having family support exactly. in terms of just giving me the space to try things mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm still going to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's huge you know I'm I've, I I'm, I know that I'm privileged that I've had the opportunity to have to, to get to try out some of the things and also the mentors I've had throughout my life mm-hmm. um, outside of family who have given me, you know, stretch opportunities or taken a chance on me or um, or really given me, you know, perspective on things and, and helped, helped me along the way. And it's something I, I try and always keep in mind and give back to others, too. Yeah. So how um, have you managed yeah. to keep your sanity during the pandemic? Yes. So um, I am an amateur gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that very therapeutic. Um, I helped my dad publish a book during quarantine. Oh, what about? 
Uh, well, as I mentioned, he's a former educator, mm-hmm. and and through the years, he had started writing down these little vignettes of about growing up, um, and um, here his, in like Missouri, his own childhood, his own childhood, hmm, so like a memoir kind like, of thing. Yes, there's hmm. little stories about him growing up and family stories and misadventures, and mm-hmm. a lot of them because I mentioned he's scientist, so you know a lot of them involve snakes and other critters and <laughs> things uh-huh. like that. <laughs> near-death experiences mm-hmm. um but they're very funny and he and he started writing them down after he retired he was subbing a lot and um the su- when he was subbing the kids would ask him to tell him these stories he calls them rough tales that's my uh-huh. maiden name rough uh-huh. and um and he had written them down and i thought well you know what we need to like edit these and put them together and so we worked on it for the last couple of years and uh-huh. and actually got it you know in the form to be published and we published it and I also recorded him uh, reading every one of them. So we have every story on MP3. a treasure for your family going forward. I mean, just that alone, not to mention the fact that this book is now in the world for other people, but just for your family. I I have some background, some in folklore, and just family stories are just so compelling. Oh, I'll have to send you a copy. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Um, They're they're fun. We're really glad to do it. It really was for the family. But um, we also have been sharing them with family and friends, and it's Mm -hmm. just been a wonderful experience it's been a way to oh, just yeah. share a little joy yes by giving them out to, to family and friends so. oh my goodness yeah and then you mentioned in an email that you're taking banjo lessons <laughs> yes and is that something else we have in common Sarah? It, it is how okay. did you get started on banjo well it's interesting um my great uncle made banjos and guitars and I inherited one of his banjos, his handmade banjos. And he apparently made banjos for like Chet Atkins once too. Or like his, oh, I mean, just, the family stories, cool. right? There's those family stories. Yeah, that's yep. the family stories. Mm-hmm. And so I had this beautiful banjo. Um, mm-hmm. I did minor in music. Um, so oh, I, really? I could play, I played the piano. I used to, mm-hmm. and the flute and piccolo and things. Um, okay. But I'd had this banjo and I, and uh, I, it was on my bucket list to learn how to play the banjo mm-hmm. someday. And then the mm-hmm. pandemic hit and Jeff, my husband, arranged as a gift for me to get a virtual lesson okay and so he sort of kick-started that and so I started taking virtual lessons and um I'm not very good but I can play a couple little tunes and um and my teacher was like half my age yeah <laughs> literally so this is somebody I see I it's just wonderful so that's see this started your banjo career Ban- the COVID ended my banjo career I had, I had taken oh. lessons in person every week for more than 10 years through three pregnancies the oh banjo would get farther and farther wow. and farther from my belly and then I'd show up with the baby in the bumpy seat and then I'd show up with the baby and I'd bring the little bouncer that goes in the doorway and we'd clamp it and put the baby in the bouncer and we'd do our lessons I mean Derek saw me through three kids like wow. that and so he was like That's family. Impressive. And then when everything shut down for COVID, that was it. It's been, I haven't had a lesson since COVID started and I really oh. haven't picked the banjo up. I think I'm just really kind of sad about the whole thing. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, so, so, but, but mine was we growing up, I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, and I always mm-hmm. associate banjo with um, Silver Dollar City. Oh yeah. And we had I some family too, friends yeah. who did some of the music. One of them ended up being the music director there for the park. Cool. And so I kind of relate to that. And also in my mind, and this is the tr- the segue I told you I was going to be able to make. Mm-hmm. I love the Muppets and the rainbow connection with Kermit playing the banjo at the opening out on the, on the, on the stump in the middle of the swamp. Something about banjos always appealed to me. I just, it's an instrument that it's hard to not be happy when you hear it you can make it sound soulful but it's in at heart it's a happy instrument and I mentioned that to my uh now ex-husband um and so that you know when I was an old lady you know that was something I was interested in so for a Christmas <laughs> present he got me a banjo and and Derek's phone number and that's how it started oh my gosh. yeah so I've just wow. got I just got a Deering five string it's open backed it's not fancy uh that's what I've okay. played um I've thought and about I upgrading but it's just, it works fine yeah it has no resonator it's just open on the back um but yeah so that was like my entree and so I told you I was going to get us from banjo playing to Muppets. Tell me about I'm your. I'm so glad you did. How are how so? How deep is this obsession with the Muppets, Mindy Mazer? Pretty deep, pretty deep. And I will say that my goal in learning how to play the banjo was to play the Rainbow Connection. You can get there, which I which I did at mm-hmm. Christmas last year. Excellent. Not See, very, there you go. Not very not very well. I wonder how many people in the it. world have picked up a banjo thanks to that song. It's beautiful. It it's is a beautiful, beautiful song. song. 
and it's a beautiful um, scene. Paul, and ugh. Paul Williams, pretty good mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but, so are we talking like Muppet Shower Curtain obsessed with the Muppets? <laughs> like how far? I do have I do have a Muppet collection. I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, I've actually, you know, like the the Muppet the Muppet puppets from you know the. 70s and yes, 80s. I I finally um, gave up some of mine. I got, I've still got Animal. Mm-hmm. That's the only do. one oh, well, I kept. He's, he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, I've always loved Jim Henson. I've loved the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Muppet Show, Griffin Muppet yep. Show. So excited that there's a Fraggle Rock reboot. Yes. Um, and I've watched the first episode. I hope they it's don't mess it up. Good. Was it good? Okay, I was, I'm always it was good. I'm always like cautiously optimistic about stuff like that because it could always be really horrible, and then you're just like, they, why did they mess it up? No, they took good care. And, you know, his daughter, or daughters maybe, maybe mm-hmm. two of them, um, own the production, or one of them uh, is in charge of the production company now. And so they are involved. Mm-hmm. So, and you can tell. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, that they they take care to, to really be, be respectful of the original characters. And so some of the things that are modernized to bring, bring in the newer audiences mm-hmm. are great, but they're still like, you know, the, There's the nuggets of, of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. As oh, you would I have remembered it. them. So it's really fun. You know, I, I read I never, his, you know, biography. And, yeah, I never um, got into Fraggle Rock because we didn't have cable. Wasn't it on HBO or something? Oh, or Showtime? Yeah. yeah. And so I, yeah. so I missed that entirely. Oh, but I definitely grew yeah. up with The Muppet Show um, and The Muppet Babies cartoon, which was not my favorite. I mean, I would watch it, no, but it was not, not the like same. The cartoon. I like the puppets. I'm the a pu- big me fan too. of them. Yep. Me too. Yep. And actually, that was my, you know, I was telling you about my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one that I got. But what I really wanted was to work for the Jim Henson Company. And I actually did cold fax my resume <sighs> there. And I sent I a VHS demo s- tape with a marionette. You are so and much more adventurous than I am. I, if I was more well, adventurous, that would have been me. Because I really did dream of it. Well, Sarah... I just couldn't have imagined moving that far away. Me. Yeah, they've they never even called, called you. Oh my goodness! No. Well, maybe I I'm a heart would have just, my little heart might have just been broken. I guess if I'd gotten <laughs> my nerve to apply. Yeah, no, I, I ended up, you know, in politics instead. Yeah, you know, but I, I'm not giving up the dream. Yeah, but no, I think you know, I the more I've got, the more I've learned about Jim Henson, he was really a pretty, you know, special, mm-hmm. special leader, yep. and. Um, and just the creativity and the people around them and, yeah. you know, developing Sesame Street and things like that. Oh, yeah. So I think sometimes people like kind of laugh at me when I talk about Jim Henson and the no, Muppets. he's it really amazing. is really pretty powerful, His... creative and some really cutting edge um, technology and special effects in some of the movies that they did. Yeah. Uh, so anybody who, you know, are movie buffs, I right. typically His, appreciate um... that a little bit more. I'm a little young to remember John Lennon dying. I mean, I was alive, but it didn't really register. Mm-hmm. But like one of the, I mean, when I think of like people, great people who've died too soon, it's like Jim Henson, John Denver and Kurt Cobain, right? Those are like my yeah. big three. I mean, yeah. it was just a, such a tragedy because it was so senseless that he died. He basically got the flu and didn't go to the doctor and died of the flu because he just because he wouldn't stop working. Just worked himself to death, basically, was how I understand uh, it. Yeah, totally um, senseless. And just a, a tragedy. I, I still just guts me to think what we have lost by not having him as long as we should have yeah yeah i think i think what is really amazing though is that what he created these worlds mm-hmm. that he's, cre- he's created mm-hmm. you know 50 yeah in some case more than that years later are, yeah. are, are still alive and like have these different iterations mm-hmm. and that really is such a mark of creativity i think to yeah. have something that really you know lives behind you in different exactly. ways and really something like that can kind of live as long as people want to want to keep doing it. And were you also nervous when Disney bought all that? I was really nervous yeah. when Disney bought the whole yeah. the whole kit and caboodle, yeah, but it's I been still, okay. I, yeah, I still have some mixed feelings about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, was, I'm glad, but I'm glad that they're there, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm hopeful. Me too. Me too. Yeah, cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Even I'm a yep. Yep. I just I really want them to appreciate the characters the way yeah. they should, and That's not all, make all it get over that. overly commercial all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, boy. Well, people I'd didn't see... know we'd be having talking about Muppets on this, right? I like... knew. I knew. Maybe you didn't know. You mentioned Jim Henson, and I'm like, oh, we are so going there. We are so going there, and we're going deep. Love it. Um, so we've got about eight more minutes with Mindy Mazur here on Women's Issues and Women's Voices. Um, we talked about Jim Henson being a role model. Are there other people um, that you can think of that you look to um, that have been role models, either, either personally or professionally, that you want to go to the trouble of name checking while we're here on the air? 
Oh gosh, so many. Yeah, it's it's hard because like, it's like, oh, if I name a few, do I have to name right. like who, who am I going to forget? I will undoubtedly forget people, but mm-hmm. I would say, you know, people that I have looked. There's so many people that I look up to, and I do like to read and learn a lot about you know leadership styles and things like that. That's mm-hmm. something I've always been interested in. Oh, yeah, as I mentioned gender equity and mm-hmm. and also racial equity are two things that are really important to me mm-hmm. and um and there's a lot of different ways that people have advanced those and still are and i'm still on my own journey around that um but i would say you know certainly um certainly the people that i've worked with throughout my career there's there's a lot of them who have who have you know inspired me or believed in me or both or set great examples of leadership and I think some of the people who've really you know opened doors or, or challenged me or people that I've looked up to I you know I mentioned Ike and Robin mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. um but also um you know like like chief of staff Bob Hagedorn and Whitney Frost who was um the administrative um chief in the office like they, they that was the beginning of my career and I I admire the way that they um put so much into their own careers in public service mm-hmm. um John Beakley, uh, who was the, um, who worked with me in Robin's office and also was the appointment secretary for Governor Carnahan, he um, has been a mentor of mine and um, somebody who who had been who is by pipeline so many leaders into important positions across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jim Potmeyer, Roy Temple of the political world, John Watson, um, all did great things. Um, um, I think. Uh, in terms of the way they've advanced other people in their careers and in public service, public life, whether those be public figures themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the staffers behind them. Um, I also, you know, Julie Gibson um, is a tremendous mentor to, like, so many people all over the country. Um, Crystal Williams oh, uh, yeah. and Kim Begging. Mm-hmm. And Kim Begging are people who, who you know, I think really uh, have I I admire and have lifted up other women Um, one of the people that uh, certainly um, I really admire uh, Mayor Tashara Jones Mm -hmm. here um, in St. Louis one of the sort of up-and-comers who's also on the lead Mo board with me is Rosetta Okafor oh I love her Um, so much she's just she's just fantastic and she really invests in in and growing others and yep. um and she's so smart in, in so many different ways um she's, i would say other she's people provided like mentorship her. to me over the phone on a couple of occasions and she doesn't really? know me she doesn't know me at all but mitchell oh, hooked us up mm-hmm. she's amazing i love that yep yeah i've had the opportunity to work with people like and and do now with um with women leaders like dr leanne taylor knight of the debris foundation who is all about expanding career pathways mm-hmm. um wendy doyle uh, with the Women's Foundation, which is now United We, um, and the work that they've done with Appointments Project and trying to get more women into, um, you know, those boards and commissions across the state mm-hmm. and in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are not partisan things at no. all. That's just like doing good in the world. Right. I would also say one person that I've that I really, 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 really admire is Senator Jean Carnahan. Yeah. Um, for so many reasons, she's just amazing. Um, you know, what she went through personally, mm-hmm. um, how she never wanted to be a senator, but she rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. She rose to the occasion. And then she's also just like such a such a smart and wonderful person. And she's funny and she's now she's got her food blog and she's just I, I mean, miss that. I'll have, to look, I'll have to check that oh, out. Yeah. She has a, yeah, it's on um, she's got a food blog and she's very active on Facebook. And she's just so fun to. Okay. To watch her and, and learn from her. So, um, I'll name one other person, which is yes. Arlen Hamilton. Okay. Uh, who um, I'm I'm admiring from afar, who okay. is in venture capital, helping invest in more black and brown and underrepresented and underappreciated entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, I did yeah. A, an interview <laughs> a interview a few months back with um, an author of a book called um, 
what is it called the new builders and it was talking about mm-hmm. an entrepreneurship and how that that really it isn't it isn't the big factory it isn't like Amazon and mm-hmm. and Dell that are the backbones of the American economy it's actually entrepreneurship and small business is actually if you look at the numbers the backbone yeah. of the economy especially immigrant um, and right. black and brown entrepreneurs and it was just a, the mm-hmm. new builders is what that book was called and you, you can find it if you're listening listeners in the archive uh, the interview I did yeah so interesting and it's just so mm-hmm. um, inspiring and it really gave me a different view of what business with the big B is in the United States. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's changing. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could have a whole hour conversation just on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Is, I mean, and that's an, another area of, of, you know, inequity that needs to be, mm-hmm. that needs to be that's, continued to be addressed. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, gosh, Mindy, the hour has just flown by. We have talked about uh, politics. We've talked about Muppets. <laughs> We've talked about everything in between. Um, I've got one more song that you picked that we're going to go out on here in just a minute. Um, But I just, any parting thoughts? I don't know if there's like, if someone's listening at home and thinks like, she's my hero. I want to be Mindy. If there's like (laughs) something you could recommend for that person, whether it's a course of study or a book or a philosophy, just in a nutshell, is there any kind of parting thoughts you want to leave us with? Um. That's a well, big question. I asked to hit you with a really is, big question. I hit you with a really big question right there at the end. I'm, I'm still like, why are they? No. Well, yeah. me. no. Uh, the, I would say um, that keep in mind one of the things that I've learned is that there are a lot of different ways to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And there are different seasons in life when you make, different, make a difference in different ways. Mm. Um, that relationships really matter. And so it's important to always... Um, make good connections and keep them and treat people nicely mm-hmm. and and do your best work because you never know when you're going to work with somebody or see somebody again. And yeah. um, case in point, however always, many times we've run into one another, just again yeah. and again, and we don't even live near each other. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's a small world. Mm-hmm. Together, we can um, we can make progress uh, in different ways, big and small, and to not you know lose sight of that people. I think generally want to help uh, if you're looking for your next thing. Um, it's pe- people are willing to people are often willing to, to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say reach out, um, ask questions, and um, and stay focused on what you can do and how you can channel your energy to make a difference in the world. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mindy Mazur, for being our guest here on Women's Issues with Women's Voices. We are going out with your last pick. It's Every Day is a Winding Road by Sheryl Crow, which is, I thought, really appropriate as we were talking about the winding road that often women's careers, and certainly yours is, is typical in that way, often take kind of a winding path, not a direct A to B kind of path. And uh, yeah, great song. Anything else you want to say to set up this song? Um, just, you know, uh, I would say... Cheryl, love Cheryl Crow too, mm-hmm. good Missourian. Yep. And uh, Mizzou made. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the advice in this song. And it really is about, you know, just keeping on and um, keep your feet on the ground. But you need to ride the waves. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, you know, it's a. It's a good song to go out on. Sarah, thanks so much for the opportunity yeah. tonight. Yeah, it's been really interesting getting to know you. Thanks thanks to you for spending time with us, and thanks to our listeners for the last hour. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Women's Issues, Women's Voices here on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Stay tuned. Kevin is in the house. Next up is jazz plus blues equals soul.